Bigger than Capes. Give me some outside. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to it, and then I watched it. Oh, 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 oh,
like a kind of sort of LA post-punk right now, or I don't even know how to define it, but he's doing something that is not what he was doing, which yeah. as a artist, I appreciate, I always appreciate that. Right. Like yeah, I, I, I truly always appreciate that. So, uh, but you know, uh, his album hotel Diablo, it's kind of based off of that. And, you know, this is an anthology and basically, you know, the, the story behind it is that like, um, Hotel Diablo is sort of like a crazy spiritual place or whatever. And um, it's run by this like sort of enigmatic figure uh, named the concierge. And it's really like all told through the anthologies of several different characters. And the through line story is about like the first day uh, of somebody's job at, at the Hotel Diablo. And, and the whole story kind of goes into function and uh, of what the Hotel Diablo does. And, 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 the, and the book is really written for um, his audience, you know, mm. in the sense that, like, uh, like, Machine Gun Kelly's audience is a very similar audience to... I would say, I mean, it's not the same. Don't get me wrong. I know a bunch of people are going to climb down my throat for this. Uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, he's, he, it's sort of not um, an MCR thing. It's totally different, but, like, it's, like, those are the same kind of people who gravitate towards his, his music, you know. Um, and so we're writing stories for them, and we're writing stories for, like, Gen Z kids. Like, I, I would say the main difference between MCR fans and and and, and 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 uh, um, MGK fans are, are are absolutely age right. Like MCR fans are definitely at the youngest twenty six, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I would say that's fair. I would say, but like I would say, at the oldest thirty five, thirty six, right? Like you know, like um, middle aged men uh, and women. As a 30-year-old MCR fan, I feel like I am right in the middle of the demographic right. you've just put me in. So yeah, I'm, 30, I'm 33 in a couple of days. I'm an MCR fan, right? So, like, uh, whereas MGK, I think it definitely skews younger. Mm. Um, and so we're telling stories for those kids. I got younger brothers. And, you know, we're talking about, in this book, we're talking about, like, identity and, like, hopes and dreams and, like, how things don't work out. We're also talking about, like, characters who do bad things. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, some of these characters are people we condemn uh, or, or we don't condemn them, but we watch their stories condemn themselves. And, and some of these characters we try to redeem and some of these characters we try to move on. And it's like dealing with pain. Dealing, like, it's not super, it, it is a little melodramatic, it skews horror, it skews, uh, it definitely skews horror, it definitely skews, like, intensity, but, like, it's also, like, you know, we're just trying to talk about the big kind of hurt things, you know, um, and, and really kind of speak towards that emotional uh, core, because it's, like, that was a, a big thing I have dealing, trouble dealing with and had trouble dealing with throughout my 20s and into my 30s, which has led to several mental breakdowns. But it's just like dealing with, I didn't deal with trauma, right? Like, I'm fortunate I've had trauma, but like it's easier for me to deal with trauma that's inflicted on me. Um, it's more difficult for me to deal with uh, the wounds that I've given other people, right? And like, 
So uh, that's where a lot of this is coming from for me, I think. Uh, And it's like a a, a fun variety of stories. And uh, Ryan's a great writer and uh, Machine Gun Kelly has been great to work with. He's He's a crazy guy, but like, you know, I got to tell you, like, the guy's got passion, man, and he gives a shit, mm. and, like, and he's really equitable. I'll say this. He's generous. He, he really, like, he, he got really worked up. He wanted to make sure that he was giving Ryan and I our, our proper credit, and, like, you know, I, I don't expect anything from him, right, in the mm. sense that, like, I'm getting paid to do a job. I'm a professional. I'm going to come in and do my job. I'm going to take him seriously and take the material seriously. Uh, but like that's what my job is. It's defined there. It ends there for this particular story, uh, just because that's the parameters of it. And uh, you know, Machine Gun Kelly, uh, he really went out of his way to um, make sure that we felt heard, and then uh, also were were seen and lifted up. So you know, I, I got nothing. I, it's been a wild experience, but it's been it's been a fun one. You know. Yeah, that's cool. I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out, and I I do love a good anthology book, so right. it sounds really cool. And um, I think you've over the last few years done quite a lot of different kinds of horror, which appeals to me, and so does this. So I am looking forward to it. Yeah, it's pure accident, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you do you know roughly when it's due to come out? Or no, I have no answer. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. That's uh, I'm really bad at that stuff. <laughs> So like, it, it's often the way that you just don't know. That's, that's fine. <laughs> Eventually. How about that? That's, I mean, that's a good enough time frame for me. I've, <laughs> I've heard worse threats than eventually, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, it's been great. It's been a great process and everyone at C2 is awesome to work with too. That's really cool. I'm, I, I am looking forward to it and I, I hope eventually comes sooner rather than later. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so, well, there's, there's quite a few books you've got ongoing at the moment. Is this? Well, I don't know uh, if they're ongoing. Uh, everything well, I'm doing is a mini series, but well, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, that's uh, uh, too much, you know. Uh, and then, uh, and then on top of that, doing more, I actually had to slow down, and uh, you know, I'm taking the last couple months to sort of reassess my approach because I was definitely getting some burnout, but it's just like, uh, you know, um, when you're working freelance, the whole goal is like break in and then break in again and then break in again. And then like break in so much to where like, okay, now I'm like, Oh, Holy shit. Like I'm working all the time now. Right. But it's like you're shoveling coal into the engine and you don't know how to say no because you, you've never been in a position to say no. Mm. And then you also don't know what's coming down the, the pipe next in four or five months. And like, I, uh, so you always say yes, but it burns you out. And, 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 and so I'm in a fortunate position right now to like slow down and, and, and sort of uh, pull back a little bit and pick my battles a little bit more. So it's kind of where my, my headspace has been at. That, that's cool. And that's a good place to be, I think. And yeah. I, 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 again, very privileged, very lucky to be doing that. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I, I love a good miniseries. I, I think sometimes 
comics are better when they're you know finite and there's a set amount and well it's my can come from that. it's my preferred way to read them honestly mm-hmm. i mean like even with a. Don't get me wrong, like, the legacy runs are incredible, but, like, um, I am a space cadet, right? And, like, I don't have a car, and, like, it's hard to get to the comic book store every Wednesday. Come on. Like, every Wednesday? Come on. (laughs) Like, uh, it's hard. And, like, um, so ongoing series is, although some of them have been incredible, like, you know, I mean, I was reading Invincible when it came out and stuff mm-hmm. like that and, and Walking Dead and, 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 and like a few Marvel uh, books here and there. But it's like, man, once you miss it, oh, and, and once you yeah, miss one true. or two of them or if like you can't get a specific issue, it's just like it really it throws a wrench into the, into the fucking whole thing, you know? And so yeah. minis are always great because it's like, I, I just wish they weren't five issues. I went like to me the perfect mini series is like eight to twelve. Yeah, I can see that. I think eight yeah. issues is a good length, and so, like, so is twelve. To be fair, seven to twelve. Like I'm a huge <laughs> fan of like seven to twelve. Like because like four or five, it's like man, there's a lot more you could have done there. That that is completely fair. So t- to go with that. Issue four of the vein came out last month, and issue five of the vein comes out any day now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So let's talk about the vein a little bit. It's, sure. It's one of two vampire books you've done in the last. Again, that was an accident. <laughs> sure, it was. Yeah. It was. I swear, I swear <laughs> it was. Um, uh, yeah. It's. So. so we did talk in a previous episode of our podcast about uh, the first issue of The Vein, and um, I talked quite a length about how much I loved that one scene where Lost um, gets shot in the face. It's oh yeah, it's a hell of a scene. Um, so, w- <laughs> with that in mind, what was it that inspired The Vein and the kind of different direction and the kind of jump through time periods that you've worked with? It seems like a really different kind of vampire book. Uh, yeah, I would say, I don't know if I can say that. That's a nice compliment. Thank you. Uh, but, um, it's certainly a different book from me in terms of tone and things that were in terms of tone. It's a little bit of a different book from me. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it started off kind of as a joke in my head. Like, all things are kind of start off as a joke. Like, you know, and, and by joke, I just mean, like, wouldn't it be funny if this happened? Like, and, it, and it's, a, you know, often, more often than not, that's a really good way for me to kind of build out an idea. It's like, you know, a joke is a story, even if it's just, like, one line. Uh, and, like, mm-hmm. you know, so the joke actually started from eating popsicles. And I ate a popsicle, and the popsicle, the joke on the popsicle stick was... Uh, what's a vampire's favorite kind of bank? And, and the answer is of course, blood banks. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, wouldn't it be fun if there's like a sort of like Bonnie and Clyde, like blood bank robbers. And then I was like, Oh fuck. Damn it. Like, <laughs> and, and, then, uh, and I started working on the idea and like, you know, uh, as they built it out, taking it more and more seriously and like, you know, then playing through time, jumping through time, um, and like where they go and why they go there, and 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 um, you know, so the scene with Lost 
at the beginning, shooting yourself in the head uh, to display her like both uh, sort of fearlessness and fearsomeness. Mm. Um, that comes from like uh, two moments. One, it's like I need to level up the stakes here. Like I need to do yeah. something. I need to do. I know I need to do something here. I don't know what, right? But I know instinctively something needs to happen, right? Mm. And then it's like, well, I don't want these people, I don't want the audience to think that these people are all like bad yet, right? So, like, I can't have her kill anybody unless, like, they're really asking for it. Yeah. yeah like, and, uh, and even then, I'm not positive I want to kill anybody in the scene. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and then it comes also from time management. You got twenty, twenty-two pages, and so yep. it's like I need to, I need to move this shit along, right? <laughs> so it's like, like that's my some of my favorite moments in writing. It's like I need something to happen. I need to move it along. How do I make these things like work together in a way that creates like dynamic action or like flips the script a little bit? You know, mm. and that those are some of my favorite moments of the creating process. That makes a lot of sense, and I, I think it does. It, it definitely sets the tone and moves the book along in a really good way. Um, it's it's been a really interesting series. I've, I've liked it a lot. I I wasn't expecting the time jumps. Um, I'm, I'm glad they're there. Um, I I'm looking forward to seeing how everything turns out. And I've just read issue four today, actually. So I um, I forget how it ends. I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, but thank you. Well, I'm sure I'll find out soon. <laughs> um, but I, I think it has been a good take, and I think it's been an interesting mix of strange vampire characters and strange vampire ideas, and that's that's what I'm here for. It's um, I've I've talked to a lot of my friends about how uh, Redneck is one of my favorite vampire books, mm. at least comic-wise, probably ever. And I think I, I just like it when people introduce different ideas to what vampires do and how they behave, how they survive, things like that. And mm-hmm. I, I an think the vein does idea. that. It's an evolving yeah. idea, right? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot that's carried over from classic vampire mythology opens a lot of doors for updating and seeing what you can do with it in a more I mean, modern landscape. Even some of that stuff, even that old vampire stuff, that's taken from something else, right? You know, yeah, that, definitely. I mean, all that, stuff, <laughs> like the idea of creatures that, the idea of creatures that feed off of the life force of other people has been mm. like an idea probably since they came up with ideas, right? Like, yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I did really like in in issue four. There's the one scene of um, Felix in his house, surrounded by garlic yeah. and crucifixes, and yeah. He's a fun thought, character to write. He's a fun. He's he's a fun character. You know, uh, it's a character about obsession and like, mm. you know, uh, and that's fun to write, right? And it's like a lesson. It's like he's lived an entire life and like he never lived it, right? Like it's like a whole thing. Yeah, it's. I think it's an interesting contrast as well that you've kind of got lost being a responsible vampire trying to keep everyone alive versus Felix losing his mind a little bit and ignoring his family to try and pursue vampires. It's so right. It's crazy though. <laughs> I mean, but like, you know, he's insane. He's driven insane, not because vampires are real, but because he becomes obsessed with it. And like, 
And it's like, yeah, that's why he becomes like nuts. That and a few other things. You could argue like post-traumatic stress too. And he was probably already weird. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a multi-layered thing. You don't just go nuts about vampires overnight. you got to build no. up to it. No, yeah, that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, in, in contrast, and it's a very different style of book, uh, Bleed Them Dry is due out in trade quite soon, I believe. I'm excited for that. Yeah, so that, yeah, that... So I came up with the vein several years ago, two or three years ago, and... Um, you know, Oni Press works in, in a way where it's like you have to have most of the series pretty much done okay. before they release it. And then they also had their big shakeup about a year ago with staffing. So that delayed things. So the 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 release of them simultaneously was not not optimal. But um bleed them dry. Uh, the Wassels in conjunction with uh Hiroshi, well and Hiroshi's partner FJ DeSanto approached me to write and build out uh bleed them dry and you know basic concept being ninja vampires and they're like we're gonna get you good art and all this stuff and it's like how do we uh how do we do this and that that book like was very challenging to work on because it's Mm. like how do we a like there wasn't like hiroshi had a lot of great ideas but it's like how do we turn this into a thing? And it's like, A, and then how do we make it not dumb, right? <laughs> like, when you hear, like, Ninja Vampire, how do we make this, like, not dumb? How do we make it serious? How do we, like, do this, mm-hmm. right? And, and like, and, and I don't think the answer on the flip side is incredibly dour either. Like, uh, I don't think you, you take something dumb and make it dour and all of a sudden it's good. Like, that doesn't work either. Like, you have to take yeah. it seriously. And so, you know, we were thinking about it. We... <sighs> And it's like, you know, we blew it into the future. We blew it into the world where, like, it's like a weird utopian, not utopian world where it's like, yeah, um, climate change has occurred, but it's being reversed. Like, we're living in a world where there was destruction and collapse, but then it was like fixed. And, 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 but at the same time, like this, like order, also this other layer. It's like ah, I mean, this book took 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 so many different shapes. So at first, it was like just that, and I'm talking about how like um, you know, we came up with the idea of like the vampires are like essentially these interdimensional entity. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's like uh, basically like. The vampires are like a ruling class onto the people of Earth, and like, and like this idea of like I'm obsessed with history, and it's like, you know, I, I just listened to it today. I, I'm listening. I, I was listening to this great throughline um, article or article, article podcast yeah. about the the Bronze Age, and and it was talking about how like you know the Bronze Age collapsed like civilization itself, the entire civilization collapsed due to a series of like events essentially. And um, there was a hundred year drought. Right. And like this one civilization, the guy mentioned how they forgot how to read. Right. Because all of the smart people died. Right. All the one, the one, the one percent of the population that could read died. So like, 
that nobody was able to read. And then like only a generation goes by and then nobody can read. Right. Mm. And so it's like, that changes everything so much. And then like, you're only going to continue to forget. Right. So it's like, I was working with that kind of idea. Right. And like the idea uh, and like, I'm obsessed with like, you know, like the ideas of like, I'm going to get really weird here. Uh, it's like the ideas of fascism. Right. And it's like, like, you know, especially like, you know, Nazi Germany's idea. It's like the will to, the will to power, the idea of creating and forging a new reality, right? And it's mm. like, and it's not even the idea of like, this is, it's like, it's like, oh no, we're just going to create a new reality. And the reality you're a part of is going to die because we're going to kill it, right? We're going to kill it yep. with fire. And it's like, we're going to create this new reality and that's going to be history from now on. Like, we are literally just making our own history right now through collective action and like, time and and destruction and war and all this stuff and it's like so those are all the ideas that were like percolating into it and then like uh and then that's right during during when i was writing it uh that was right during when uh george floyd was murdered and uh the the riots and the protests took place and like that only fueled those feelings like even more because i mm-hmm. It's just a crazy time. And I mean, it still is a crazy time, but it, it definitely is like working with this idea that like reality is like, like, like we don't even know, like a lot of us weren't even aware that we were existing in a reality that was like bad, right? Like that's how effective like some of these power structures are, where it's like, mm. like, I'm always curious about the, like the average person who lives in Latveria, right? And it's like, and it's like, do they know it's bad? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Do they know it's bad? Like, what if they like? I haven't read a Doctor Doom book in a while. I'll, I'll admit it, but it's like, so it's like, how does the average person in Latveria live? Because if the average person in Latveria lives okay, right? Okay to good, yeah. then what is then to assume that the world around them is bad? Right? It's just like it's like colonialism, right? It's like, take the ideas. Like I, I've been watching Bridgerton a lot. Have you been okay, watching yeah. Bridgerton? And I haven't, it's, like, no. it's crazy hot. Um, but like, I've been watching it with my wife <laughs> and like, I can't help but think it's like, or like, even with things like the crown, right? Like even with things like the crown where it's like, Oh, we're going to tell a, we're going to tell a story about, court life yeah. in in britain uh, before the right before world war one right mm-hmm. so during the great years of the empire right yeah. uh yeah and uh, great years quote unquote great years and it's like you're dealing with this court life and you realize that all these people like they have their existence and their reality and they think it's so normal and they have no idea how evil it is. Right. They have no idea that everything that they have and their entire structure, the the entire idea of a court life and the idea, entire idea of like all, all these rules and regulations, the entire idea of like polite society is like built off of, like slave labor uh genocide racism and like all of this stuff and it's like i find that 
fascinating. Like, obviously, it's awful. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course. But, like, it's, like, it's crazy that those two realities can exist at once. And, like, that is what I think Bleed Them Dry is about. It's, like, it's about, like, like it's about a character who exists in both worlds, two characters who exist in both worlds, I should say. Yeah. Uh, who, but one of them is new to it, and, and, and by becoming new to it, they realize it's like re- I mean not to use a Reddit word, but it's like what is it red pilling, right? It's <laughs> yeah. like it's like it's like I mean I'm not it's a very bad word I think, uh, <laughs> but like uh, it's like the idea of like becoming aware and like waking up to the reality around you, right? And like mm-hmm. realizing oh my god, like the world that I know is actually lawful evil, and yeah. like and that's a problem, right? But it's like the problem with lawful evil is that it's highly organized and like and difficult to defeat because it's lawful, right? They create law, they create yeah. structure. Lawful evil is still culture, right? Like just because it's bad doesn't mean it isn't powerful, right? And it's like yeah, of course. how do we defeat these things? I didn't mean to talk about all that. So that, that's yeah. okay. That it's been an interesting tangent. <laughs> yeah. But that's where a lot of that stuff came in. You know, a lot of my um a lot of things that went into that book. It was, it was a really fun, and, and the art is incredible, DK, and, 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 yeah. and uh, it, it's, it's been an, an incredible experience, that's for sure. Um, no, it, it's a series I've really enjoyed, and um, I've been getting the issues digitally because when it started coming out, um, I'm pretty sure we were in lockdown, so it was hard for me to get the physical issues. Um, but I'm looking forward to reading through it all in trade as well. I think that's... I think it's going to be a good collected read. Thanks, man. Thank um, you. And maybe I'll, you know, read the trade of that and the trade for uh, the varying back to back and get my full, you know, vampire fill all at once. Yeah. <laughs> Do a full vampire day, maybe. Go for it. Really load it up. Um, so moving away from vampires and horror to comedy for a moment. Uh, slash horror, I guess. Slash horror. Not much of a move away. <laughs> yeah, a, a casual sidestep into horror and comedy rather than just... <laughs> yeah. um, so you've also got Knock'em Dead at the moment through Aftershock, which correct. is about to be three issues in, I think. I think. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, and it's five issues total. Okay, so halfway point, or mm-hmm. thereabouts, um, which has been noticeably different than 100% less vampires, I think is... 100%. Um, think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. Depends on what you define as a vampire. Maybe emotional vampires. Moving more into that Stephen King Pennywise kind of vampire. Maybe. Um, so, Knock'em Dead, um, I know issue two had a lot of interviews with various comedians um, and kind of drew upon more of a stand-up comic i mean obviously she won also draws on stand-up comedy um what was it that inspired the horror stand-up merging in knock em dead <laughs> uh a couple things um you know when I, I i started uh my journey in in writing by doing stand-up uh and being a performer i performed for many many years and took it very very seriously uh, you know, I would, I, it, I would say it was like my version of like, 
it was my band phase, right? Except it was stained up where it's like, I mean, I really thought my band was going to make it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But like, we were, ah, I took it seriously. And it's what made me learn, fall in love with like creating and, and learning how to write and stuff like that. And um, so, you know, it comes from that angle and, uh, and, and like how horrifying it is. Like, uh, you know, night after night, grind after grind. The idea of grind, the idea of doing anything with no promise in sight, believing in yourself and not making any money while doing yeah. it. Like, that is a horror show, right? Like, right, it's a horror show for anybody. Uh, I was able to do it through stand-up, uh, and I wanted to showcase that emotion through stand-up. I also wanted to, like, you know, I mean, it's like, the performing arts, like, like there's no structure. Like, there's, like, these places are, are uh, really, like, you're going to meet great awesome people and you're going to change your life in a really great way but if you're not ready for it emotionally it can lead you to some really dark places right and it's gone there for myself and i've i've seen a lot of drugs i've seen a lot of abusers and i've seen and we see it in comics still which is so fucking shitty right but mm -hmm. like um you know being exposed to it younger and like and like learning bad lessons from people just about like, you know, like toxic masculinity and stuff like that. A lot of things like I had to unlearn. I mean, I'm 18 years old going to bars on the like, you know, West and North side of Chicago, hanging out with like 30 year olds. Right. And like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing here. Right. And like, um, so there's that. And then there's like the fact that there's like, I, you know, there's just like a lot of people who aren't, here anymore that should be here still mm. and and um also uh i think on a critical note i i, I went through horror because like one i have a theory that horror and comedy share the same space uh they're yeah. just different sides of the same coin but also <laughs> on like really practical note most media you see whether it's comics television or film uh, about stand-up comedy, it's largely very boring, in my opinion, and it's largely very the same, right? Like, I like, I wanted to tell more of a story that was in line with the sort of young artist trying to make it big, rather than it being about stand-up. Because I think a lot of people get, a lot of people get tripped up on the stand-up part. They're like, oh, it's got to be mm. funny, and it's like, got to be this or that. And it's like, no, it doesn't matter really, yeah. truly. Uh, and, like, you know, I wanted to – I walked through it through a horror lens because I, like, my experience with it was, like – I mean, it's not horrific, but, like, it is, like uh, – I had some horror moments that were very painful for me. And it's like, I haven't seen anybody approach it through – horror really uh like and like i thought that would be a different way to walk and ex walk through the world of stand-up comedy without like without doing crashing or without doing something like that you know what i mean yeah yeah i think that's that's fair it's not something we've it's not something i've seen before at least yeah. um i'm uh, sure uh, I'm, not, I'm just like <laughs> i just can't think of anything yeah, yeah. um I, I think it is an interesting combination, and I think, um, yeah, not focusing on the stand-up, let's make it funny aspects of it, and working with the horror and the strangeness of trying to 
break into any business is it's an interesting story and i think it's a relatable story i i mean maybe not the you know being haunted and nearly dying but you know sure, sure, I mean, sure. some people i'm sure if <laughs> still count yeah you know you, you've got to have a little bit of something there mm-hmm. and but it's it's another book that i i've enjoyed uh, from issue one to issue two and probably i'm going to enjoy issue three i think is the way this is going i hope so um it's it does feel very different than your other books. I think that's something that I, I have noticed. I've kind of been looking back through um, all of your bibliography, I guess is the technically the right sure, man. word. It sounds very proper. Um, it doesn't feel... I, I, I think there is a, a great deal of difference between some of the different books. Um, so I think Knock 'em Dead stands apart from um, Bleed Them Dry and The Vein. I also realized when I was writing my intro for this that if you say um, knock them dead, bleed them dry, it sounds like a kind of movie tagline from the 80s. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, which appeals to me in a way, I, I guess. Um, but I, I do enjoy the variety, and I think it's interesting seeing the horror books you've written because I always thought that when you were working for Valiant, um, particularly when you were doing the one-shots, that there was quite a lot of heartfelt emotion behind those books. Mm-hmm. Um, which is isn't it, not that there isn't heartfelt emotion behind the thing since it's just it, it seems like an interesting journey into horror via comedy and the different ways we've come I always think that um, so the Archer and Armstrong one shot you did for yeah, that's that's actually my favorite uh, the the escape to the gulag story yes yeah, that's one uh, that's my that's my favorite story I've ever written actually um, that, that I can agree with that. I think it's a really good single issue. I it is my favorite part of the whole Stalin verse Divinity Three story arc. I guess events. Not sure, I'm not yeah. sure what it falls under. Do you know how fun <laughs> it is to try it to it's like because they gave me a thousand of those one shots. Like they gave me like in in an, an unreasonable amount of those single issue one shots. And I can't sell them at a certain point. I give them away because you know how hard it is to explain <laughs> the idea of of what is happening to people. Like I have to yeah. explain the Stalin verse, and then I have to explain <laughs> Archer and Armstrong, and then I'm like, and now it makes sense. I yeah i I hadn't thought about it because I I came at it from like having read more valiant so it made sure. I, I, I was gonna say it made sense i'm not sure it makes sense but i <laughs> it's it still makes comics. sense if you know what the context is yeah the context definitely helps a little bit yeah but, uh, <laughs> otherwise it's just a uh, whatever but i love that story i do love that story it's a huge turning point for me and i like i say it's one of my favorite uh, arch and armstrong issues and it's definitely one of my favorite um, I think standalone issues. I I always like that you you manage to kind of capture the Archer and Armstrong relationship in an alternate universe in a single issue, and I think that's really well done. Um, which made me want to ask, like, um, how did you find it, and what was the challenge of trying to explore like a different Archer and Armstrong whilst capturing classic? I say classic Archer and Armstrong. It's hard to say what classic Archer and Armstrong is, I guess. Yes, true. Ask, yeah. I, you know, um, one, they're, they're, 
Archer and Armstrong are great characters, right? And they have such a clear uh, relationship and identity that, like, and 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 sort of, they have such a clear. They each have such clear identities to where if you, you know, if you, uh, what was the what was the Marvel book Neil Gaiman wrote? 1492, 1407, 1609? Uh, 16, 1609, I think, or 16, 16, 16, 16 something. I can't remember it, even though I like just reread it. Uh, sixteen oh one, sixteen oh nine, I think sounds right. Uh, it's 16 something. 16 something. <laughs> but it's just like, um, or like House of M, or like whatever, right? And like, um, or it is such a classic thing in comics to where it's like, oh, something weird happened, and like they're yeah. all the same, but it's different because of this thing now, right? So it's like, that's such a classic thing in comics that I've always liked, uh, but. It helps to be done with Archer and Armstrong because they have such clear identities as characters, right? Um, they are very clear identities. One's a religious assassin and the other one's an immortal warrior, right? It's pretty like, it's like, it's, it's like nihilistic freedom versus like, whatever. It's like all this stuff. And like, then, um, and then you have the Soviet Union and it's like, okay, well, like immediately, you know, it's like, uh, Immediately, my head is like, oh, he's, it's like a, this is a thing about religion, right? This is a thing about like faith, and like, and then like, uh, and then just on a personal note, it's like it's like a really hard time. I was like going through a really hard time, right? I was like very, I was like twenty seven. Uh, uh, you know, a bunch of books got canceled. Um, I was waiting tables. Nothing wrong with waiting tables, but like, I was like, I didn't have and out of waiting tables, right? I was just, like, mm. waiting tables, you know? And I'm married, and, like, did I, did I fuck my life up, right? And, like, you know, so it's, like, I, I really wanted to, like, and this was an opportunity for me to, like, okay, like, this is, you're up to bat, and, like, you know, you don't know how many of these shots you have left, right? And so yeah. it's, like, take it and, and, and go as big as you can with it. And, like, and, and, and I was really fortunate to work with Warren Simon, uh, and, and he and, and and he has been a huge, hugely developmental in helping me like craft my voice. Mm. I, that's really cool. It's and it, it is through the kind of one shots you did at Valiant that I came to all of your other work as well. Oh, so that's so awesome. And and I know that's true of they're not here right now, but the, some of my other co-hosts I know have definitely come to the other things you've done through um, Arch and Armstrong. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's just, no, like, I, was so, I was so thankful for like, you know, working with Dinesh and Warren and, and Honor and like all those people over there at, at Valiant and like, yeah, so the opportunities they gave me were absolutely, like, just, like, insane. I was, like, their cleanup guy, essentially. Like, you know, I got and like, and that became, like, very, very frustrating for me at mm. a certain point because it's, like, I kept, like, they kept putting me in these situations where, like, hey, can you, can you, could you maybe put together another miracle for us? And, like. <laughs> I'm like, I'll try, and you know, and like, uh, I have no problem saying that at this point anymore, right? Yeah. Because like, uh, you know, um, 
yeah, I don't have a problem saying that anymore. Uh, I, I should own my work a little bit. I was put in some difficult situations, and uh, I would say I rose to the occasion almost every single time. Sounds like ego. I am from the Midwest, <laughs> but I am very proud. I swear to you. I swear to you. It's, I, try, I worked really hard, and I tried very hard. And so did everybody who worked on those books, too. Yeah, I, 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 I do agree with you, though. I think the, there's some books where you came in as a writer and I wasn't expecting it, but you did really good things. Um, another example that I think I have to talk about, and I think I tweeted you at the time. Um, so Quantum and Woody 6, oh, yeah. kind of Harbinger Wars 2 tie-in blackout issue. Yeah. Um, I was already really excited for Quantum and Woody when the 2017 series started with um, Dan Kibblesmith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was, it was already one of my favorite Valiant books was the James Asmus run, so I was really excited it was for great, it. It's a great run. It's a great yeah, run. It's, it's nearly perfect. But then I think that issue six with the, you know, no powers, blackout, the world's falling apart, but they still decide to be heroes. Yeah, ha- hands down, man, the best quantum and Woody issue. Thanks, man. That's so nice of you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just like it was just one of those things where it's like they gave me the the one shot. I didn't know. I think all that was guaranteed was the two parter, right? Six and mm-hmm. seven. There yeah. was no promise for eight through twelve, right? Um, okay. And uh, a bunch of bad stuff was happening at the time, too. Uh, And, and like, Valiant was, like, changing leadership left and right, right? So it's, like, a very hectic time. But, like, uh, yeah, the fact of the matter is is that, like, I am not funnier than Daniel, right? I'm not. (laughs) Like, I'm funny in a different way, but I've known Daniel Mm -hmm. for a very, very long time. And, like, I am not going to be funnier than him. I'm not nearly as, like crafty and skilled of a writer at this point is as james asmus and so it's like if i try to do james uh it's just gonna sound like i'm doing a less funny version of james right and so it's like uh how do i just like how do i do this how do i do something that's totally different right how do i do something that's totally different and like the way I did it was just by, okay, like, what if it was real? Like, you know, what if it was real? What if, what if everything mattered? Right. And yeah. like, you know, and, and that's what that story was. That. Yeah. And I think that really works. I think it set a different tone that was kind of true to the characters, but very different than what had come before. And it really works. Um, yeah. And I think from I that, I haven't read any of the new stuff though. I, I I, I invented a fun villain, and I hear they aren't using him, and it bumps me out. Yeah, I think there's... It's weird, because obviously you start with kind of the heartfelt issue six, the outside of reality where, you know, Woody's still in therapy, and Quantum's yeah. the, the biggest hero in the world, and yeah, that's relatable. And <laughs> uh, then there's that... So when when you get back to the real world, the Valiant world, I guess, there's the infomercial man eating the cat on the street yeah and holy shit man that is a terrifying moment <laughs> thank you that was fun that was another one of those puzzle moments where i was like how do i what do i do like what do i do how do i make this weird he's got to shoot himself in the face or eat something it's it's one or the other right <laughs> um but that that is another moment that i think sets a real tone that i don't know we would have got in one of the earlier quantum and woody runs but it's it, it's probably my favorite like 
volume of quantum and woody and i i wish we had more of it i think that's thanks man I would, there's a lot of stuff i'd love to do with the valiant stuff uh but yeah it's good it's great They're great characters yeah and um i think i think the, the world needs more archer and armstrong and quantum and woody and I, i've read the pitch you put up on patreon for archer and armstrong I'm in full support of that. I think. It should oh man, me. I would have loved to have done it. I would have loved to have done it. Thank you. I, I was. I would have loved to have done that. But you know, maybe who knows? Anything can happen. You can just kickstart it under different names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bowman and Barrister. Uh, who will see the comparison? It's you know, it's, it's a totally different book. Totally different. Um, I, I do have a friend who's obsessed with like the comparison between um. Incredible Hercules and Archer and Armstrong, and I see it. I, I think you could do a similar thing, and no one, no one would bat an eyelid. They'd all be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Um, so, <laughs> off off the back of the Quantum and Woody run, which I was clearly a big fan of, um, kind of led me to looking into what else you were doing at the time, which brought me to Cult Classic. Thank you. Yeah. Um, which I, I really enjoyed. And I think, again, I probably tweeted you at the time. And I know I did a review last year. We did like a Halloween countdown thing. And I did uh, a, an article on Return to Whisper as the first like day of October. Um, which is a series that I need to know. Is there going to be more? Could be. Classic? Could be. Depends on a couple things. It depends on a couple things and, and, and uh, things that are out of my control at this point. So it's like, you know, but uh, those are fun books. I still love those books and I still love the idea of those books. And it's like, I just love, uh, like, I just wanted a place to make like fun genre horror things and then invite other people to come create in that space too. And like, I still yeah. think it's a cool idea. I think I, I love both books. Uh, I, uh, you know, it just depends, right? But I'm glad you liked them. Like, you know, those, those, uh, those came out during a weird time and, 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 and like, you know, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's the kind of series that appeals to me as someone who watched a lot of kind of low budget B movie horror type stuff through my teenage years and early twenties. So right. I, I, I'm always there for more of that. I feel you. Um, and I feel like you're kind of the guy to to give me that sometimes, you know. Especially, you got a lot of weird horror in you. It seems. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, I'm just grasping at straws, and that's what comes out. So, but thank you. Yeah. Um. So I I did want to ask the question off the back of cult classic, and obviously everything else. Knock them dead, bleed them dry. I can't stop saying them back to back. Apparently, <laughs> that the more horror moments at the end of Quantum and Woody, um. What was it that you know draws you towards horror? Have you obviously you've talked about the comparison with horror and comedy? Have you always been a big horror fan? Or yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love horror. I don't know if I like. I don't really set out to make horror. Like it, it just happens. Uh, it just really does just kind of happen. Like, I don't really set out to do it. Um, uh, but yeah, I just, I love, grew, I mean, I grew, yeah, I love horror. Like, I, and then also, I just like, I live in, I, I'm a space kid at, right? And it's like, I'm always trying to think of like, I don't know, always playing with reality and thinking about like, 
stuff like that. And I don't know. Stuff gets dark in your mind. And I, but, like, I, I don't really set out to to do anything. I just, uh, the thing that I care about most, I, I think, as a writer, is just, like, uh, compelling characters that go through, like, really difficult circumstances. And, like, uh, and, 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 like horror, I think, happens to serve that purpose more often than not. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I don't really ever... Like you come, and when I say you don't set out to do it, I mean like yeah, of course. Like I know it's going to be a horror in the sense that if I come up with like, oh, cult classic uh, creature features, it's a story about a uh, an asteroid that crash lands on Earth, kinda <laughs> that makes everybody weird, right? And everyone throws yeah. up their skeletons and 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 their zombies, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, in my head, I know that's a horror. But, like, it's one of those things that's, like, there's a difference between being a thousand feet away and, and being up close to it. And it's like, yeah, it's a horror. Like, but, like, when I'm writing it, I don't think of it as a horror, right? I'm, like, just yeah. trying to, I, I, I'm trying to just pay attention to the characters, you know, and, and trying to do something that creates a reaction. I, I think that's fair. And I, I think that there is some good character work amongst all the, you know, throwing up skeletons and I, I try. space slugs. I try. <laughs> um, but yeah, both Return to Whisper and Creature Feature have been some of my favorite horror books the last couple of years. I think. That's so nice of you. Thank you. It's all the truth, man. <laughs> uh, I think coupled with stuff like. So there's been some kind of, you know. I guess more B movie feeling horror. Um, there was Count Crowley from Dark Horse as well, which I didn't read it. I think you'd like it, man. It's definitely got a similar kind it's of like vibe. Alistair Crowley or whatever. Uh, it's how do I explain this without it sounding stupid? Uh, well, it's comics. It doesn't. It's so it's about a horror host that um goes missing and then gets replaced by someone who doesn't want to be a horror host on tv oh that's fun and then she discovers that the guy she's replacing actually hunted monsters on the side oh, it's so fun um and it's it's a fun weird like four issue book and it, it's it's pretty weird and it's pretty ridiculous and i think that's i'll that's give it a shot yeah, I think you'd definitely enjoy it. It's by David Dasmalchian, the actor, slash cool. writer, slash comic book man, apparently. <laughs> um, but it's definitely worth checking out, um, especially if you're into weird, wacky horror stories, which... I'll give it a shot. I, I think you might be. I can be, otherwise uh, it's either I really like them or, like, I don't, like, I, I'm done. Thank you. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so... <laughs> when you've mentioned kind of characters, you know, coming up against insurmountable odds, such as we see through yeah. cult classic, and um, I hadn't thought about it, but that is definitely a theme that we see through, you know, Hot Lunch Special, Midnight Vista, The Dorm. And man, I've just realised how many books I haven't talked about that I could, but I don't want to keep it forever. I know. I got to order <laughs> dinner, and uh, that's all. I mean, honestly, though, that's like a whole different phase in my career. Like when you're talking about the doorman and, 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 and the paybacks, I love that stuff. Great part of my career, but like there's very much uh, a, a difference starting around Gulag where I, I approach things differently. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm thankful for that, you know? Um, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all for it. I think Gulag and Quantum and Woody, 
everything from that point onwards I've really loved. And it's been it's been interesting going back to read Doorman, which was really hard to get in England. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess it was hard to get everywhere. Uh, okay, right, that makes it so much better then. I, yeah, I I had to buy a second a second hand copy off of Amazon, and I had to buy it came up in the middle of the night, and I had to buy it like straight after. <laughs> um but it's a book the world deserves more of this similar with paybacks i think i bought it from d cunniff a con a couple of years ago so great. so in the effort to you know let you go and have dinner and not keep you here forever as much as i could do i'm sure um i, I wanted to ask one final question to kind of wrap us up which is what have you been reading at the moment and what would you recommend in co- in comics or outside of comics or yeah good question man uh my brain has been uh bad lately so it's been hard to keep focused but uh fiction wise i've been reading the broken earth trilogy from nk jesman who i just realized is writing far sector and I had no idea. Okay, that's uh, cool. And, and I've been wanting to pick up Far Sector forever, but it was mm. one of those things where I couldn't get the first issue forever. And then, like, and then by the time it's, it was like I missed it, I have to go wait for the trade, right? <laughs> yeah, I just have to wait for the trade. Because um, <laughs> so, NK's work is great in the Broken Earth trilogy. And so I'm very excited now, even more excited to read Far Sector. Mm. Uh, currently, uh, I need to catch up on Immortal Hulk. Comics-wise, though, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm reading uh, Scumbag, Rorschach, um, which I've been enjoying those series. Uh, and then uh, I just bought a whole bunch of fucking comics, too. <laughs> and then I just bought, like, Jimmy Olsen's Superman uh, and then I've got all my other comics here and then trying to finish off Akira, uh, mm. you know, so I'm kind of all over the place right now, if I'm honest with you. I'm not very organized. <laughs> it's a hard time to be organized. I've, I've got to give you that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's a good selection of books, though. Oh, that's also true. Trying. Um, Slow reader. Yeah, I've. I think I have a ridiculous amount of books I've bought and not read. So yeah. I, and then it's it's like also like you know, I don't know what you do for a living, uh, but it's just like we're staring at screens all day, and sometimes like sometimes <laughs> I just don't want to like look at anything, right? Like yeah, I feel you. Right. <laughs> um, I, I see computers way too often, and yeah, it's, it's nice to take a break. Yeah. Um, well. I think that's a nice place to wrap up. Thank you for yeah. talking with me today. It's been a lot of fun. And like I say, we can always do a part two if you want to talk about all the other books at some point. I'll come <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll come back on whenever you want me to come back on when you find it appropriate. So you can always reach out. It's it's fine. I I'll not might not get back to you uh, right away every time, but I'll do Yeah, of back. course. That's, that's, it's been really good talking to you. And um, I feel like I should do some plugs so people can find you on Twitter and Instagram at... Elliot Ray Hall. Um, and um, Great Lake Novelties on Patreon. If I'm yeah, I'm doing right. some changes. I, I came up with like a new strategy. I'm very excited. Uh, you'll see it rolled out soon. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what's to come. Definitely. Yeah, it's going to be different. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a big gamble. So we'll see how it pays off. Okay, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing what's what. Yeah, man. Right. Uh, sounds good.
yeah so thank you for joining me